Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking more about micronutrients as we continue our series on those pesky little nutrients that you should know more about. In our spotlight, we're going to be taking a look at some new technology coming out from spray boom priming, from precision planting, egg history minute, we'll talk about grass tetany, and we'll wrap things up with some cool beans that's corny with some current events. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So it's kind of nice. We're missing the storm for once. We're, I was just looking. We projected a coating to an inch out of the whole thing. So just the we're just getting the trimmings. Yeah, the bulk of it is to the south. To a lot of states that probably don't get that much snow normally. I saw Texas is closing some schools for like a dusting. Some of those are getting ice pretty bad they? too. Yeah, yeah, like the southern part of it's ice, and then great. Now there's going to be no roundup again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think the fertilizer is going to go through the roof? <laughs> At least this time of year we don't we're not using it. So yeah, last year was later when we were like starting to spray stuff, and they're like, mm, yeah, we don't have any. So I can't imagine flying through flying through Chicago yesterday was very delightful. No, no, I would think not. I'm sure, there are a lot of screwed up flights. Can you imagine if the Super Bowl was this weekend and they were going through this right now, trying to get through the middle of the country? That would Todd, be that'd Todd, be a problem. Todd, from your map, it looks like New York kind of got spared. So yeah, New York City, City. got kind of missed. They're going to get a bunch of ice, but you go like St. Louis all the way to to Maine, and just a good chunk got six to eighteen inches of snow out of there. So. Which actually sounds weird, but we haven't had any big storms this winter None. in Wisconsin. It's the the one like the day after Thanksgiving we got like four or five maybe. Well, and what, what day was it? Wednesday it was like forty. Yeah, it was, it was warm. Lost, like a bunch of our we've snow had these we weird day, just one day at a time where it's been warm. We've had as much yeah, as many fog days as we've had snow. Yeah, probably. We've had some really cold days too. A couple school days schools yeah. canceled yeah. and. But no crazy snow, you know, no snow days yet. No, no snow days. And even half, it was only, I don't even know if half the area schools that closed for that cold, cold weather. Right. And a lot of them were two-hour delays just because they couldn't get the buses going early enough, you know. Right. And we don't have a lot of snow right now, even just looking out the window. it's We lost quite a bit from that last warm day we had. And so. if you, you go about five minutes south of the Tilt Economy World Headquarters, there's like no snow. Zero. I think in my yard, it's just the ditch. Yeah. It's a brown wonderland out there. Yeah, well, even the snow that's left, a lot of it's pretty brown. Yeah. A lot of snurred out there. Yeah, and Punxsutawney Phil did not see his... No, saw, did, did, did see, did his, see his, shadow. his shadow. Six yeah. more weeks of winter. So no, wait, was it? I yeah. thought he didn't see He did. It. He did. Six oh. more weeks of winter. Okay. Do you did one of the local... There's some prairie, like the prairie dog or something, isn't there? And yeah. He, I saw it wasn't Punxsutawney Phil, but it was an, it was like New Jersey. They have a groundhog, and he died the day before Groundhog's Day. Ooh, <laughs> so that just sounds like a bad, a bad like that's just not a good. It's like Betty White. Yeah, you get a pump for your day, and then you miss it by a day. Yep. Yeah. So more winter. So we'll, do you think we'll get some big storms in March and April? Then we haven't had any. Kind of hope so. Early in January. It seems so. the last few years that kind of happens. We get that late snowfall. 
Snowmobilers really haven't had anything to do. They no, you got to go north to find any yeah. snow, really. Their trails are actually pretty nice and up north, but yeah. So what's up north? North of twenty nine? You gotta uh, go. No, no. So like, Shawano, Cecil, around there, the trails are open and they're pretty ugly. You get to like Mountain, Lakewood, Townsend. north of sixty four. North sixty four. Yep. yep. It gets really nice up there. I mean. They got good snow early, and they're getting another inch every couple days up there. Just a nice little keep her going. And it's been really cold. So even when it was 40 this week here, it was still 32 there. So they saved their trails a little better. So so what's your Super Bowl excitement monitor meter? I got a, Five? Lot, of, I got a lot of things going right now. I'm not thinking about Super Bowl no. a lot. <laughs> what? I'm excited. Little, little wedding? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Making lots of decorations. Really, really crafty guy, I'm sure, as you all can <laughs> guess. I'm really big on the arts and crafts. So it's going well. Table decorations and flower I arrangements? I can't even believe the, like, I mean, I guess I've been to, I don't know how many weddings, but, man, it seems like there's a lot of work. I'm not, I'll tell you what, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went to those weddings, you were just focusing on the food and the drinking, right? You weren't focusing yeah. on the table arrangements and like the questions, like some of these questions, like, well, what do you think about this? And I'm, I don't even know what they're, what it is. I'm like, well, sure. I don't know. Are do you we on, need that? Is that a thing? Are you on Pinterest? Just looking up stuff yeah. all the time. <laughs> I like, was on Pinterest last night, actually. I, I think Max's. weddings before Pinterest were, I mean, they, yeah, they were nice and simple and you had stuff, but it wasn't like weddings after Pinterest where you have to have. Every kind of little decoration and a little photo. This is area. what you can do with a denim piece of cloth that you can I'm, put on every table. I'm pretty lucky. I said no to spending the money and having somebody else do it, and I got a I got a arts and crafts fiance, so she's she's got a lot of ideas. Does she have one of those cricket things. Oh where my she god, do we ever? <laughs> do nice. we ever? Yeah, nice. spend set up in my living room for like six months. Max is managing the not page, making sure everyone knows where to go. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't even know what are you talking about. <laughs> that K- was, that was K- the thing N-O-T. for a while. Yeah, the not dot com. You have your own I've, little web page. I bet you, if I look on the not dot com, I have a. There's a. Page <laughs> I don't even it. know it. It's there, but I don't know it. Let's see. Oh. All so right. What is she going to do with her cricket once the wedding's over? <laughs> oh. Arts Thank and crafts you know, are not just a wedding thing. Thank you notes, Christmas ornaments. Yeah, I mean everything. Okay, search. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do is. have a website. <laughs> yeah, there it is. The Knot. Yeah. Fif- 15 days to go. I should start checking it's this. It's a countdown. Long. Yeah. Keep the countdown. It's a countdown. Yep. Holy it's buckets. The- <laughs> you learned something new today about yeah. yourself. Sweet. All right. Got How's that page. countdown make you feel, man? Uh, yeah, we're going. We're going to pay the venue tonight. Ooh. Make our last payment That's on the venue. Pretty final, then. Th- dude. There should be no like with this deal. There's because of COVID last year and, and having yeah, to reschedule. You should have no cold feet or anything at this point. No, you pretty much. You pretty, <laughs> it's, it's happening now. It's funny. I went to the courthouse yesterday and did my uh, marriage license, and one of our coworkers said, "Oh, you're getting serious. You're actually going to do this thing." I'm like, "Well, if I don't have it figured out by now, if I'm going to do this thing or not, I don't think I'm ever going to figure it out because." We got a lot of time to figure it out. So, yeah, I guess. I guess that's, yeah, I don't think about the Super Bowl much. I got got this going, so spent a lot of time with that. But if I had to think about it, 
Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, I, everybody's a Bengals fan, right? I think so. I know Matthew Stafford's a good story, but Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, I mean. It's not Tom Brady, so who cares? That's the other thing. <laughs> I don't feel as strongly because I don't hate one of the quarterbacks. It's very true. Both of these teams are very, like, rootable. There's, there's both, a few on the Rams. Really. Like, yeah, OBJ and is Sue still on the Rams? No. He's, he's kind no. of a jig. And um, Aaron Donald is kind of, he likes to choke people. Ah, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I get sick of hearing about how good he is because I watch him get burned all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's like the Richard Sherman thing. He, he's so good, but he's getting burned, like, a yeah, lot. Right. So. He's no Rasul Douglas. No, now I'm I'm talking myself into the Bengals more and more here. I think yeah. Bengals. Now yeah. if they go and lose by forty, you know it's not going to hurt my feelings. But that's one thing. I just watching the games as they went through it. It doesn't seem like it should be a knockout dragout, all offensive type deal. Like both have have some pretty decent players on their defenses that should keep it interesting. It'll be a fun game just to watch because I have no rooting interest. So. You can kind of watch the commercials, be excited about that, be excited about Snoop Dogg. Yeah, because last, uh, last year you did not want the Bucks the to Bucks, win, right? Right. Of Brady, and they knocked out the Packers in such a crazy fashion, and and then Mahomes just didn't do it. Yeah, last year was agonizing to watch. Like It, it really bothered me. I'm, I'm a little bit more relaxed, excited for this year. Hopefully be some good commercials. We'll have to do our our commercial top ten like we normally do yeah. after. See what goes on. I'm 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 guessing Doritos, Mountain Dew, and Pepsi all have some pretty good ones. Budweiser maybe they usually come come out of the, off the top rope with something pretty decent. It'd be but. weird because Egg's been involved the last couple of years with the yep the the beer one where they corn syrup the corn the, yep. beer one and oh yeah and corn growers say stuff the, so the Ram truck God made a farmer yeah that was a good one yeah be interesting to see what happens. All right, you guys ready to talk some calcium magnesium? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I woke up this morning and I said, you know what I need in my life? Some calcium, calcium and magnesium. magnesium talk. Well, if you were hungover from the weekend, then, yeah, that, you might need some of that. Drink some milk. There you go. Milk and magnesia. <laughs> yeah, so this week we're going to kind of kind of go put micros under the microscope or ahead of micromanaging your micros. So you guys have to pick which way we, we delve into this. But we've got calcium and magnesium, and the reason we are doing these together is because they're both alkali earth metals. And so when you look on that periodic table in the chart, they're kind of all in the group 2A with a bunch of other ones that I, we don't really deal with at all. Beryllium, strontium, barium, and radium. You know, so basically in there, we, we really look at calcium, magnesium a lot. And they're right next to potassium and sodium. So well, we don't want radium. That we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> right. So some of these we don't want, right? Um, but right next to potassium and sodium, and those kind of go together as well a little bit, but the calcium and magnesium are, are kind of like twins or partners where when you talk one, you seem to always talk the other. And that part of the reason why is just because of where they are and what type they are, and they're both... Um, ions, um, cations, so they're positively charged and both have a 2-plus positive charge, whereas like the sodium and the potassium, which are the next two, are a 1-plus positive charge. So that's kind of why they're partners there, but these have the 2-plus, and that's why 
um, they seem to bind to that soil, which has got, you know, especially clay soils have a slight negative charge to the soil. So that makes them bind to there. And then that gives you sort of holding sites for some other things as well to, to have those on there to hold some of the other negative charged uh, nutrients that we need. So to start out is just what do they do in the plant? And basically the primary function of calcium is to provide structure for the cell walls. So you think of how many cell walls are in there, that's a big deal. Just like the bones in your body, building structure. That's also valuable in cell division, nitrogen metabolism, translocation, and sort of uh, fruit set or you know cob set or things like that. And calcium is a silver-colored, so relatively soft metal, and it's derived from the Latin word for lime, which is calx. So that's kind of an interesting part that it it's derived right from, you know, the word lime, which... Yep, well, and that's calcitic lime is usually what we're dealing with when we're trying to modify pH in the soil, so... And it's the fifth most abundant earth element. Magnesium, kind of similar, has a lot to do with chlorophyll and photosynthesis. Chlorophyll? More like borophyll. (laughs) Thanks, Billy. (laughs) Underrated quote there. And then it does also things with nitrogen and helps with activate enzymes in the plant. So it doesn't have as much of a specific, it has a lot of little things it does that are actually big things. So kind of does some that way. Same where it's a relatively soft metal and that element is de- derived from magnesia, which is a district in Thessaly in central Greece. So it's basically was must have been found in part of Greece or something like that. Or you heard of Malcolm Magnesia or something like that. Yep. So maybe that was from the the and it's the seventh most abundant earth element. So that one is a little bit less than what calcium is, but like we talked, that's why they go together. They're kind of paired up that way. Um, then when you look at how mobile they are in calcium in the in the plant is immobile which like we talked about makes sense because in the cell wall primarily we don't want it to be mobile your walls moving we want our walls stable and then in the soil it's somewhat mobile which surprised me to be honest i kind of always thought it was more immobile in the soil but it is somewhat mobile it's not easy to move but it is possible to move and then the magnesium is somewhat mobile in the plant and immobile in the soil. So that'll move around a little bit in the plant and, and won't move in the soil, which usually that one too, we do see you know, that it can show in the plant and some of the new growth, some signs of magnesium deficiency. So that would show that it's moving around just that little bit. And then the biggest thing to look at is just how much do you have in your soil. And Bill, I don't know what you use, but I tend to use that 400 parts per million calcium on like my soil test yep and when you really dive into it it's in sandy soil you want over 400 and then in kind of your other soils your loams or clay you want over 600 and it's really parent material base so i don't know what you guys see but in general in your loams and your clays you usually have enough yeah. like or those, more than enough right yeah. those are usually in the you know 1500 to 2000 parts per million and like we said, anything over a thousand is high. So really, in your sands, you do have to watch that. Sometimes you'll have soils that are under four hundred parts per million, and those 
you really got to watch that number that if you're under that, you got to be applying calcium in some way. So and we got to go and dump some milk out there? Is that the, yeah, that's the <laughs> easiest <laughs> way? Well, there's calcol, calcium sulfate, or calcitic lime. And gypsum is calcium sulfate, so some yep. guys are using gypsum oil or gypsum or... Eggshells. Finding a way... Eggshells, like, that's a real thing in some of the... Yeah, actually, yeah. even in chicken manure, a lot of times they'll crush yep. up the eggshells in there for you and really does benefit. Then on magnesium side, there are two... On sandy soils, you want above a 50 parts per million. And on clays or loams, you want above 101 parts per million. Um, there are two I mainly just seen in my sands that we have a problem with magnesium. I, I don't know that I've ever applied... Um, there's a product called K-Mag, which is like a potassium magnesium, magnesium yep. blend. Yep. And I don't have you ever put that on, Bill? No, I, and, I don't think most uh, and outlet, that's, outlets carry it either. Right. That's common, like in the central part of Wisconsin, on the central sands, they sure. carry that yep. product too because there's fields that are deficient in magnesium. Have you ever heard of that even, Max? I've heard of it, but I didn't think I'd ever spread it or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, you know? right. And so that's the, the one thing I noticed as I dived into this more is we've talked a lot about the calcium-magnesium ratio, which we'll get into, but really the really big thing to watch is just knowing are we above in those parts per million. And having enough there is really important, just like any other nutrient. Um, but this one, we seem to get into these ratios. Um, so let's dive into that next is the studies on the calcium-magnesium ratio? Well, so, well, let's give a little background first. Calcium-magnesium ratio, the idea is that you need a balance of calcium and magnesium. So not it can't be too much of one versus the other. Otherwise, it would negatively affect It's almost like crops. you need, it's always been portrayed as you need more calcium than you do magnesium. Like right. you just put on as much calcium as you can because if you get too, magne- too much magnesium, it'll kind of make that soil... Basically, it turns it more hard and just isn't as as good. It's not as mellow. So that's one thing that they really watched is is that sort of ratio of it. Yep. And where it started, which this is, an, the more I dwell in this, the more it's just a very interesting story of how that first research we get is very important. And if the first research that we have is sort of misleading, it might lead us into kind of thinking a certain way, and then it's very hard to turn that ship back and change it. And so basically, the first research started in the 1930s, and it was um, a group that did the research that they took, and it was on alfalfa, and they applied, basically we're looking at the ratios, and applied enough calcium to sort of get that ratio they want, the four-to-one ratio calcium magnesium and they saw a yield bump in the alfalfa so that's where it started but when they looked back at these studies what they failed to do is account for ph factors so the calcium they used was calcitic lime the ph of that soil was actually not good for alfalfa it was too low so when they applied it they got the ph in the right you know spot and that's where their yield gain really was from so it wasn't a properly done study and that's where a lot of this started that basically said well yeah you you got to have these ratios in the right amount and the more studies after that couldn't replicate that and then they look back to see why sure 
And Bill, I don't remember. Do you remember Keith Kelling oh, yeah. at UW? Yeah, yep. he was uh, just retiring when I was. Okay, I had him for soils. Did you have him? Though? Yeah, yeah, because yep. he was gone by the time I was there. So Keith Kelling's in the mid '80s did a ton of research that seemed to be cited a lot, um, and so he was. He has a basically a paper on it that you can find, and conducted research to try to see this this ratio. Did it exist? How much? Should it be? Where should it be at? And kind of his research found, it concluded that basically if you have adequate levels of calcium and magnesium present in the soil, that and he found that the ratio could be from 2 to 8, that you had no effect on yield. So basically almost as like in general, all of our, our parent soil out there is usually pretty good. As long as you have an adequate levels of it, you're okay. So really the soil test should be... More what you're looking at compared to just worrying about your ratio. Ratio, yeah. Yep. That typically if you have adequate levels of both, your ratios should also be okay. And he, he never really said, this always gets pushed that he said, like, it, it doesn't exist, it doesn't work. He didn't really say that. He just said that to focus solely on that probably isn't right, that there's other things to look at that just because you balance that ratio doesn't mean everything else will be okay and that maybe we overemphasize just the ratio in general. So do you want to do an exercise with me? Sure. So I pulled up three fields that I consult on that we've had recent soil tests. One's in clay, one's in like a silt loam, and then one's like my sandiest field that always burns up every year. So what do you think we're going to range here? So if I, I pull up the clay field first, our calcium soil test, the average of the 10 samples is... Like seventeen fifty, yeah, usually so around two thousand. Well above your your range. The magnesium's at four fifty, so that's a what three to one, four to one. So that's in the clay. If we go to the silt loam, we're at fifteen hundred and three hundred. So we notch down a little bit in both, um, but there's still that ratio. And then uh, in the sandiest field that I have. It's 750, so half of what we were just talking about in the calcium, and 150. So it, it definitely tracks with your soil type, like you were talking, Todd. How often have you had to apply it on a sand bill or looked at it? Not a lot, actually. Okay. I mean, well, 150 is in that optimum range for yeah, right. magnesium. You're were, you were excessive, and then at worst, you're optimum. So, I mean, right. And, and I should look. I have a farm that I don't work with anymore that's got even lighter soil. But yeah, I've got, like I said, especially in that central sands area, guys got to look at it because there is soils under the 400 and there is magnesium under the 100. So sometimes you actually do need to apply it. So it's not something to, to just discount and say I, I don't ever need it but most of the time your parent material supplies you with enough even on i'm just pulling up some a clan i don't work with anymore that has really light ground and even even some of those it's still above 100 in magnesium and above 800 in calcium so so there's a bunch of more studies on the calcium magnesium ratio um, one in 99 by University of Missouri, one by the the best. The other one I like besides the Kelling ones are the McLean in Iowa. And he was actually, so this this method, the calcium-magnesium ratio thing, gets called the Albreich method. 
because Albrecht's the one that kind of seemed to invent it. And so one of his students, a McLean, actually studied it to try to find out more about it. And his, his conclusion was, for maximum crop yield, emphasis should be placed on providing sufficient but not excessive levels of each, each basic cation rather than attempting to attain a favorable basic cation saturation ratio, which evidently does not exist. So that one, to me, was a big one in looking at this. Is like this isn't just some. This is a guy that believed in it. McLean, he was a student of the Albrecht method, did his own research, and he also couldn't sort of find this sort of golden ratio thing. He just found like, yeah, it's important. Yeah, you want a lot of calcium, but to think that there's this ideal perfect ratio, that's what the studies are showing isn't out there. So, um, I this. Like I said, I the more I looked into it, I still do balance and try to watch my calcium and look at it. And I think it's an important thing, but to solely focus on that is a bad idea. So we might have some listeners out there, some people that are going to disagree with this, because this can be kind of a, I don't know what you see with this, Bill, but, and I'm sure Keith Kelling took a lot of flack. Oh, he but, took a lot. Yeah. Like, as soon as he kind of debunked it, it was like, what are you doing right, here? Right. Like, you're, you know, and that even... Now it's sort of a, well, that's what the university says. Don't believe them, right. believe this. And um, I, I think both sides do almost try to fight about this. And I think it's hard because the science does show that you probably don't have to focus solely on it. But Keith Kellings also didn't say, like, don't I, ever think about it. I think it. with him, though, too, I mean, he was very outspoken about it. Was he? Okay. Oh, yeah. So I think that... Like, he um, would just try to rub people's noses oh, in it? Like, just, yeah, I mean, like, he just talked about it a lot. Yeah. So I think... But sure, that was probably... I mean, think of, for him, this was, right. like, is what he's known for right. now, of debunking that. I think with most things, if you keep it sufficient in the soil, you're you're probably in a pretty good place. I mean, there's... You know, if you're really trying to fine-tune things, then you can tune into other aspects of how how they balance with each other, but just having a sufficiency, that should be your goal, first goal. Goal, right. Like, get it there so that we know it's there, and then we can go find whatever other methodology we need to, to improve. And then the final thing on these two is called um, base saturation, and that's how much exchangeable calcium and magnesium do you have. And it, in, like, our soil test, it'll give us in a percentage of exchangeable sites, and it'll be occupied by, like, calcium magnesium, sodium, hydrogen, and potassium. And so those nutrients kind of can help us decide, like, how much exchangeable is there. And that's a way to kind of look at this balance a little bit, too. And what Keith Kelling found there is if you have calcium in the range of 55 to 75% exchangeable without, you won't have any yield reduction. And basically, as long as magnesium and potassium are present in adequate amounts, so those also you got to have in that adequate amounts part and um, kind of want that 55 to 75. I typically use 60 to 70 as my goal for sort of calcium and then magnesium under 35%. Um, even around 30 seems to, if you can get it sort of under that in your, in your to calcium. And again, this is also talking about that ratio again, but in general, out of all my soil tests, 95% meet that just inherently. Yep. So it's looking at that outlier 5%. And you might have a field that you're like, wow, it's not yielding good in that spot or in that field isn't doing well. Well, this is something to look at is where are these levels at and do we got to tweak something just to maybe try to get get it set right? 
All right. So there you go. That's calcium magnesium. Calcium, just like building strong bones in your body, builds strong cell walls in your plant. And magnesium is there to help kind of finish things out with fruit maturation and produce that chlorophyll, which is important in providing energy to the plant. So they may not be the big nutrients that we're used to talking about, but they are important in the life of your plant. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. Precision planting has revealed a sprayer boom priming nozzle control and vision based system. So the new product marks the company's entry into spray technologies. We're used to precision planting and the you know, planter plates, other furrow uh, seed firmers, lots of other technology, but now they're moving into the sprayer world and they're looking at a way to prime your boom without having to spray out the product right onto the ground. So their traditional sp- sprayer requires farmers or operators to spray product on the ground to prime the width of the boom fully. Many times more than 50 gallons of product is sprayed, causing a hot spot of chemicals. With the reclaim system <clears throat> that can be added to sprayers, chemicals are mixed in the tank and circulated through the booms and back to the tank, never having to spray a drop of chemical on the ground. This is pretty cool. Yeah. So it saves, I mean... It, as, as much as I've seen, like, the hot spots where you get too much, like, I've got a couple growers that have small fields, and we always struggle with bad application patterns because the field, by the time they get done spraying the field, it's the boom isn't charged yet in some yep. degree, so you get a lot of skips. So I think this would be cool even just for something like that. All right, cuts down on waste. Make sure that the whole boom is ready to go. And you know a lot of times they're not charging their booms in the field. They're going to a fence line or or something else to yep. get the boom charged. So it's kind of a misapplication as well. The old first 25 feet in the field full of weeds because the boom wasn't ready to go. Right. Yep. You know, that's tough when we talk about fighting this war with these weeds. Like, we can't have that, right? So yeah. hopefully this kind of helps that along. So along with that, they also have a, the Symphony Nozzle Control System, which uh, under that they have many sprayer nozzles have a change in pressure when spraying at operating speed or rates are changed. This change in pressure changes the droplet size, increasing risk of drift or reducing leaf coverage. Symphony Nozzle Control System allows the sprayer to maintain cons- constant pressure when changing rates or speed. So less risk of drift or change of droplet size on the go. So the the whole system right there, charge it up, have a consistent nozzle. And they also have a set of cameras called the vision-based system. All being, those are in development, so vision-based guiding or guidance. So you can kind of, kind of like, not quite auto-steer, but something kind of similar, vision scouting, so they can look across the field as they're going, weed ID, and then targeting sp- targeted spraying. So fight once they ID the weeds, then they can kind of target those areas. So lots of, lots of technology coming there from precision planting. It's pretty cool. All right, let's move into 
Egg History Minute for today. All right. We're going to talk about grass tetany, which was first described in the Netherlands around 1930. Since that time, it has been found in Great Britain, New Zealand, and the United States. Other names for this disease are hypermagnesmic tetany, grass staggers, and winter tetany. So grass tetany is a metabolic disease involving magnesium deficiency, which can occur in beef cattle, dairy cattle, sheep, uh, usually after grazing pastures of rapidly growing grass, especially in early spring. This disorder is associated with low magnesium levels in the blood and cerebrospinal fluid. Soil characteristics often contribute to the risk for cattle developing grass tetany, these include such factors as the level of magnesium in the soil, soil temperature, soil moisture. Uh, soils that are high in potassium and nitrogen can inhibit magnesium uptakes by plants, which in turn creates a lack of available magnesium for grazing cattle. If you can't prevent grass tetany, be sure to know and actively look for symptoms in your cattle, which may include nervousness, muscle twitching, staggers when walking, and later the animal may go down on its side with muscle spasms and convulsions. Animals are not treated in time. It could actually kill cattle. It's often a long period between cattle showing symptoms and death, which is why it's important to routinely, routinely observe grazing cattle closely during the spring. So there you go. Another reason to keep your magnesium levels at optimum or close to it. Yeah, I thought this was a great tie to our soil magnesium talk. And I didn't, I mean, I've heard of tetany. Talking to dad, he said he's had cattle yeah. out on pasture that have had, you know, that they've had to worry about tetany. But typically, or he said, you know, in the barn or anything like that, you never had this problem. It was only on grazing cattle that they've ever seen that where they just couldn't get enough magnesium. Maybe some of these symptoms Max had over the weekend. Nope, <laughs> not a one. <laughs> Big bachelor party. <laughs> not a one. I had, yeah, tetany. He, he kept up with some milk of magnesia. Going down on his side with muscle, muscle spasm. He had, he had calcium coming in from his tums and the magnesium from the milk of magnesium. I think so. staggers when walking was probably yeah, that uh, one. Yeah, you may have suffered from that one. Never. All right, Todd, what do you got for us? Yeah, thank you for listening to all our listeners out there. We appreciate you downloading the podcast. Please subscribe and tell a farmer friend to subscribe. And on Apple Podcasts, just search Tilt Talk Radio on your Android phone, download Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM as an app and search Tilt Talk Radio. You can also listen on your smartphone browser or on your computer browser. Go to tiltagg.com slash podcast. And Matt, how we have a new way to listen to the podcast. Tell us how to do that. Yep. So we are now available on Amazon Music. So if you use Amazon Music on your phone or even through your Alexa, which is a little more complicated. I, I know I tried last night to do it. Um, so if you follow our podcast on Amazon Music, you can tell your Alexa to listen to podcasts I follow, and should give you the option to then listen to podcasts through your smart speaker. Otherwise, uh, any, any of these ways work, but now we are available on Amazon Music, so we're pretty excited about that. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Now we're going to wrap things up with some cool beans. That's corny. Our current event. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans.
Cool beans. We did it, guys. We did it. We got it right this week. A lot of pointing. Kind of felt like the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> yeah. You go. That but. is a good meme. <laughs> but all right. Our cool beans this week. Soybean prices are crushing it. So they are soaring to new contract highs. Soybean prices are racing higher so far this week, continuing its price run that started late last week. March soybeans traded at more than 30 cents higher Wednesday morning with prices above 15.50. And that is a comeback considering prices popped in the overnight trading hours before falling back, then regaining strength once again. So All right, you guys were talking about my bachelor party before. Now I got to tell you, this is how you know you might be spending too much time as an agronomist. Saturday morning, we were all sitting around watching the soybean boards because it was going to hit 14 and right as it hit 14 one of the guys who was there sold out the rest of his soybeans for the year so Whoa. we were at 14 local man we were making big money you're making it <laughs> so not only were you partying you were making doing money business. man nice agronomy doesn't sleep <laughs> so i wonder if this will buy some extra acres of beans and then in turn will lower the fertilizer price for corn never know because there's less acres of corn. Cause and effect. Yeah. Chain of events. All of the chaos makes perfect sense. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> You're welcome. R.I.P. Joe Diffie. <laughs> All right. Now Joe Diffie's dead? Yeah. Todd, are you joking oh, right now? He died early. Yeah, I remember now. <clears throat> wow. He was one of the first pandemic guys to... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I wasn't going to bring that part up, but no. thanks. Speak in vain of our king. Thanks for bringing us all down. <laughs> Which is fortunate considering we're now on That's Corny. So our That's Corny this week, JBS settles price-fixing allegations for $52.5 million. So They just want to get out from under this, don't they? Whatever. Right. You know they were making money if they're like, yeah, $52 million, let it roll. Whatever. This is, I mean, these big companies, man, they just... Yep, they agreed to pay the $52.5 million to settle litigation following accusations of conspiring to inflate prices and pocketbooks by limiting beef supply in the U.S. market. If you guys remember back to, it was 2020, but JBS settled for $24.5 million surrounding the price-fixing claims brought from pork, pork buyers. This is beef, yeah. <laughs> so that was, I, I believe that was a that's corny at that time. So, this so, so we're up to like $75, 76000000 million in, in then, settlement yeah. uh, between two different products of the Butchering sheep there too. Is that the next <laughs> one coming? How much do they have? Oh, to... I'm sure they got chickens. Yeah, chickens too. There you go. Ty- well, Tyson had big payouts. Yeah, did they just did a price fixing thing too? So. Yeah. Hey, if you don't want to get price fixed by JBS, just go right local to the farm and buy it. Yeah. Plenty of nice farmers willing to sell you some beef or chicken or whatever. Yeah. Could probably even find goat if you're into that kind of thing. Oh, for sure. Meat goats. So there you go. That's our that's corny this week, and that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So we talked about calcium and magnesium and where they fit in the nutrient span that we keep an eye on for our plants. We looked at the new precision planting spray technologies coming out from Precision Planting Egg History Minute. We talked about grass tetany. And our cool beans was soybean prices crushing it. That's corny. It was JBS settling yet another 
price-fixing lawsuit. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming. <laughs>